Welcome to Master of Me Podcast. I am your host, Leah Rasmussen. Thank you for joining me today. Today's session, this podcast is extremely, um, what do I call it? It's a juicy one. Okay, let's just go with that. It's a juicy one. This is the stuff that I love to geek out on. And some of the other podcasts I've done have just been kind of lighter. They've been surface stuff. This one, we're going to go a little bit deeper and not all the way. We're going to go a little bit deeper though. Okay. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. So today we are going to talk about something that in uh, it, well, in my school, uh, when I went to school and my instructors, they called this the map. Some people just call it kind of your view of the world or your system. Some people call it systems or the stories you run. Okay, so it's all the same thing. Different people call it different things, but it's all essentially the same thing. So for this exercise, I'm going to call it the map and we're going to run with that. So how the map works is that each of us come into the world, brand new baby, blank slate, right? Um, as we are growing up in the world, we all start collecting data and bringing all of that information in as little sponges. And each of those activities and experiences that we have, we are gathering that information and that creates our world or our view of the world or how we see it. That creates our map. Now, interestingly enough, is that you can live in a town and I can live in a town. We can live in different places of the world where one person experiences living, you know, in an apartment in a city in a 10-story building and maybe somebody else grew up um, in the farm in the countryside. So those would be two very different views of the world to come from, correct? Now, here's the part that gets really interesting people growing up in the exact same house, in the exact same family, still have different views of the world. So how does that work? Well, let's just take a look. If you've got siblings, you'll understand this, right? Sometimes we'll get together with my siblings and we think a lot alike because we had the same upbringing, but we will tell stories and we have completely different recollections of the exact same story. In fact, this is a big joke in my house that I will be telling a story and I'll be halfway through the story and one of my siblings will say, that didn't even happen to you. That happened to me. <laughs> um, okay, so that's embarrassing. But what I'm trying to get at here is, is that we all experience things from our own viewpoint. So let's bring in this perspective. So when I was a kid, I remember we were out at the lake and my parents were gone. Uh, they were in town and we were, um, we were old enough to be at the lake. We were teenagers. So my sister and I were floating out on the water and our younger brother who was on the beach thought this will be hilarious. I'm going to throw rocks and splash the girls. So he started chucking rocks to splash the girls and my particularly my younger sister because she was a little bit closer into shore. So he's trying to splash her, but unfortunately he has a very good arm and he actually played baseball. So his aim is very good and he ended up throwing a rock and it hit her and split her forehead wide open. Now, from his perspective of the beach, he's thinking, 
oh crap, I am gonna be in so much trouble, right? Like that might be his first reaction, like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't react, like this was not my intention. Like, I can't believe that this just happened. I was just trying to splash her and now she's bleeding everywhere and she's screaming and the neighbors are coming. So that's his experience. So my sister in the dinghy is sitting there holding her forehead and she's screaming, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. <laughs> as blood is pouring through her fingers because, you know, head wounds, they do that. And she's just kind of in shock, like the little jerk, I can't believe he just chucked that rock at me, but she's not even really interpreting all of those other things. All she can think about is my head hurts and I'm bleeding, so she's freaking out. Meanwhile, I'm on my own dinghy and my thought process is, I gotta help her, I gotta help her. And so I'm like paddling over really quickly with my hands and, I kind of have that like weird thought come through my head, like, why don't I just jump in? That would be a lot faster, right? <laughs> but my first instinct was just to kind of paddle over there. So for me, again, it was a different experience. And I was a teenager who was kind of selfish and thinking about the water being cold. So I'm just trying to paddle quickly. I don't want to actually jump right in, um, which I'm really sorry, George. Um, oh, sorry. Okay, that's her nickname. <laughs> Our family's big on nicknames. Her name's Ange. Um, so... Um, if you hear this, I'm sorry. Everyone knows your secret now. <laughs> so anyways, so we were all experiencing something different at that event and it all meant something different to us. And of course it meant something different to the neighbor who came running and ended up having to drive her into town to get stitches in her forehead. So that is a lot of drama in a very short story. So the thing that's interesting is, is that our maps or our view of the world, our experiences are built up off of how we see and experience life. So our experiences bring in that information and then we utilize that data to create what is expected and what is true for us, okay? So we need to be careful and recognize that our truth isn't necessarily someone else's truth because they came from a different viewpoint, right? So my sister's truth is my head's bleeding and I'm freaking out. My brother's truth is different and the neighbor might be like, I saw that little brat chucking rocks at her, but he didn't, or the neighbor didn't even know the intention of the little brother who was just trying to splash, right? So we all had a different perspective of this and um, so I want you to take this and just kind of think about this for a moment and think about your growing up years because a lot of our memories, so in the first seven years of your life is when those core memories are anchored in extremely um deep, I guess you could say, um, the higher the emotion with the event, the stronger the feelings and the memory. So I don't know if you ever watched that movie. There's that children's movie called Inside Out. So it's kind of like that. She had those core memories. They're always tied to a very emotional event. So when I work with my coaching clients with PTSD, anxiety, trauma, phobias, we are removing the emotional attachment to the memory. The memory still stays intact, but they remove, we remove the emotional attachment, which allows that memory 
to go back to its regular place inside our memory box instead of being uh, set out as a high alert memory, okay, that can be triggered easily. Just kind of a side note. So back to the main point here. When we are looking at our worldview and our map of the world, each of us, even growing up inside the exact same household, will have different perspectives of life. I grew up as the third child in a house of six kids. And so my experience was very different than my older brothers who was expected to have a lot more responsibility on him also being not only the oldest, but a boy was given more responsibility on um, our property and than I was given. And we had different things that were expected of us. And again, looking at my youngest brother, the expectations for him were very different than for my older brother. So all of us had these different experiences and so we have created our own views of the world and how we see the world. Now, something that is very interesting that you may not know is, is that the meaning that someone makes about what happened is actually more important than the content of what actually happened. So what actually happened was a rock was thrown and my sister's head was cut. Now, the meaning of what each of those people's experience was is actually what's most important when it comes to their map and the way they view the world. So the meaning is what is going to be pulled into their memory source and what they're going to use to create their belief system going forward. So for example, if this was extremely traumatic for my younger sister, she may create the belief system that floating on the water is a dangerous place to be because people on the beach always throw rocks and skip rocks and I'm in danger when I'm on the water. Okay, that's kind of an extreme example, but it does happen in cases where somebody has a very a heightened emotional experience. Let's say that my little brother, now he didn't, I'm sure, do this, but let's just say that for him, the meaning of the experience was, I'm a mean person because I just hurt my sister. So that meaning of him being a mean person, what's going to happen is, is that memory is going to be locked in and held. And then our subconscious starts looking for evidence to support the thought. If it gathers enough evidence to support the thought, it will anchor that in and we will live life from that perspective. So let's say he brings this perspective, I am a mean person. Then he starts to think, oh yeah, remember when I was playing soccer and I accidentally tripped that guy. Right, that was another time that that was mean. I got in trouble for that. People didn't like me because of that. Okay, uh, remember that time that I, I'm trying to think of something else. But I think that you get the idea here, okay? We start looking for evidence to support that fact because we like to be right as well, okay? so. Um, now the perspective of the neighbor coming in, she may have a perspective that this child is a troubled child. This is a little guy that is um, just a troublemaker. 
And so how is she going to respond to that child every time she sees that child and interacts with that child? If her viewpoint is he causes problems, every time I see him, somebody's crying, somebody's hurt, he's a troublemaker. That's the label she's putting on him. That's how she's going to respond to him. And in that's her view of the world. Now his view is going to also start to assess that and recognize this person treats me differently because they were there and now I was a bad person because I threw this and hurt her and that person doesn't like me. Do you see what's happening? So it's not about what actually happened that really matters. It's about how we perceive that and how we internalize the meaning of the event. So as life goes on, we continually create meanings for everything that happens. We see something happen, it is a neutral event. Everything that happens in life, let's give it a neutral spot, okay? It is neither good nor bad. Every event is neutral. It is the meaning that we make from it that makes it either positive or negative and the feelings that go around with those thoughts that then create our story that we play and that we live by to create the world around us. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope you're staying with me on this. So something interesting to go even a little bit deeper. I hope you're still with me. Sometimes new information comes as we grow and as we have new experiences, but sometimes that information that is new doesn't fit inside of the old running program. So let's say for example, um, okay, so an easy one is looking at a child that didn't know how to learn very well. Um, I'll use a personal example for this. So when I was a child, I had difficulty reading. Um, I couldn't seem to focus my eyes on the page and I later found out that my eyes actually did jump which made it difficult but I didn't find that out until I was in my 30s when I went and saw a physiotherapist for a head injury I had a concussion and um so that was very interesting to hear from him saying hey did you have a hard time reading when you were a child I'm like yeah how did you know and he says did you have a hard time with you know um I I um, like sports, right? That um, contact sports where you had to get the depth perception and stuff like that with the hand-eye coordination. I said, yeah, how did you know? And he says, well, your eyes will be following and then they'll jump a bit. So they'll jump up or they'll jump down a little bit. So it throws it off, um, which was amazing to me. Like all of a sudden I was like, what? This is amazing information. I wish that somebody had told me about this when I was a child because as a child, I just believed I was stupid. Um, and I believed that I couldn't learn because I didn't know how to read. So I struggled with reading and you all know that that's one of the foundational principles of learning, right? Is you need to be able to learn to read so that you can do science and math and English and all of those other areas of learning. So it wasn't until I was probably in about grade nine that I actually started learning to read. So when I was in grade nine, I think I had probably about a grade three reading level which now I listen to my grade three read and I think, gosh, mine might've been even a grade two level. It was awful. It was just so torturous for me. 
And at the same time, I took that belief system and I made it mean something about me. To me, it meant that I was stupid and that I couldn't learn. And every time the teachers gave me an easier spelling list or took me aside to help me with a project, I did not look at that as kindness. I did not look at that as help. I looked at that as a reinforcement of they believe I'm stupid and I can't do it as well. So this was the belief that I had kind of grown up with, okay? And this was my view. Now, in itself, the fact that I couldn't read, that was a fact. It was no longer, it was not actually positive or negative. It just was the fact that I struggled with reading. But it was the meaning that I made off of it, okay? So as I got older, uh, there were certain areas where I would learn very, very quickly. So if it was a hands-on activity and somebody was showing me how to do something, I could learn it very, very quickly. So as an example, when I was older, and I mentioned this in one of my other podcasts, is that I'm very creative and I like to build things. I worked with an elderly gentleman who had an amazing garage and all these amazing tools, and we started building together and I was able to um, do some really great craftsmanship and some really great work inside of his workshop with him and create a lot of amazing things. And it kind of surprised me and kind of shocked me because I didn't think that I was good at learning. And so then my story now had to change that I wasn't good, I wasn't smart. I wasn't good at learning textbook stuff, but I could learn it if it was hands-on. So I could accept that because now I had proof that I could learn that way, right? But as you'll see is, is that all of us, what we will do at times is we have our own system running in our mind and somebody, this maybe you can um, resonate with this. Have you ever had that experience where you are complimented for something? Maybe somebody compliments you on your outfit or they say, oh, you look so beautiful and you discount it right away. You're, oh no, 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 this, um, you know, that's, thank you, but no, right? So the reason you're doing that is because what they're saying doesn't apply to your story. So we have filters that go along with the stories that we run and the map that we carry in our mind of how our world works and how it looks and everything like that. And we like to be right. Remember that, okay? We like to be right and we'll look for evidence always for us being right. So someone will say, wow, you're looking so fantastic. And we're thinking, are you kidding me? Like, uh, you should have seen what I was wearing yesterday or you have no idea what I look like a swimsuit or uh, you're just saying that to be kind. All of these things kind of will play in the head, right? Or somebody would at that point may have said, wow, you are really good at learning. Wow, you're really smart at this. And there's no way, no way I would have accepted that as truth at that time. But I've grown since then, thankfully. And now I can sit and jump into educational documents and studies and everything like that, especially when it comes to coaching stuff and mindset and how all of that works. And I can just geek out on that forever and I love it. So it's interesting, I had to change something inside of the map. So recognize and look for those red flags. If somebody gives you information and you automatically block it, do a self-check. Look for a little bit of information to see 
you know, is that story actually still relevant, right? So the work that I do with my coaching clients is all around re, um, it's kind of like, I guess you could say it's creating new roadways on that map, right? So we're doing a little bit of construction there and we're making it into a place that really more fully reflects really who you are and who you are becoming versus just the experiences and the meanings you made out of those when you were a child or that I did, right? So that's the self-work that I do for myself. So I would encourage you guys um, to play a little bit around with this. And the first step to any type of change is awareness and recognition. So recognizing these things coming up. So now that you know a little bit more about the map and that the meaning of the event is actually more important or the meaning we attach to the event is actually more important than the event itself and that we create filter systems to protect that map as well so that somebody doesn't come in and you know hijack our system right and those are good systems those systems are in place as a defense they're there to help us but at times they can also hold us back. They can also keep us down, right? Like in the instance of me feeling like I wasn't smart enough and that I couldn't learn, which is completely false. But I did not know that when I was younger. It took a lot of time to recognize that. So take a little bit of time this week. Have a little bit of fun with this. Bring some awareness into your subconscious, if you will, and let yourself play with this idea. Whenever ideas or thoughts or especially judgments come to mind, stop for a second and question, huh, where did that come from? Where did that story start out? What was the meaning of that? Why do I believe that as true? Interesting. So it's something fun to do. So I encourage you guys to play with that. And thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast today. You can find me at masterofme.ca. And I hope to be able to connect with you personally. That would be super fun. Um, but in the meantime, I will see you next week on the podcast here. And thank you again for listening to Master of Me.